the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we begin a brand new series called Family Matters. This family was God's idea. He made the man and then from the man he made the woman, uniting them as one and told them to be fruitful and multiply. So we have the family. And when it comes to family, sometimes we're not all on the same page. God's Word has a lot to say about this, as Pastor Sean lays the foundation on why family is such an important part of society. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today is part two of the message called Family Matters. Pastor Sean is in Genesis 2 and 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. I want to tell you, this is in my heart and my understanding right now, where we are, where our culture is, this is a really important series of discussions. Because I I just want to say to you, the family is in trouble in contemporary culture. And the family is supposed to be such a gift, but a whole lot of people wouldn't describe it that way in their experience. A whole lot of people don't understand what God's design is. And because of that, families suffer. And what that means is people suffer. Children suffer. Then they grow up and become adults who suffer. And so we want to get this right. And this is something, just in talking with lots of people around this fellowship, lots of people in our community, this is something we need to talk about. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this series of discussions. We're going to hold up what the Word of God says about family. Because our desire is always to align to what God's Word says. And so that's what this series is about. And we're going to talk about family. Now, people have different responses when we talk about family. Some people, when we talk about family, go, oh, man, I love my family. A whole lot of other people go, ooh, family. Mm. Mm, Not so good. A lot of people really don't kind of get into the conversation. They want to try to avoid it. And and what's interesting is there's this almost tug of war because we want that family relationship. We want it to be something special and right, and yet we struggle with it. Michelle Pfeiffer said what many parents, I think, think and feel. She said, like all parents, my husband and I just do the best we can and hold our breath and hope we've set aside enough money to pay for our kids' therapy. Mm. So caring, (laughs) so good. George Burns said it much, I think, a little more eloquently as he would. He said, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. (laughs) The reason we laugh is because a lot of people struggle with family, and we get it. We're coming into that time of year where it's like the holiday season where we're getting ready. We're having the conversation about whose family are we going to be at for Thanksgiving? Whose family are we going to be at for Christmas? And that conversation, oh, God, I wonder if they're going to be there. Oh, you know, and and all this stuff stirs up. I just want you to know that that this is one of those things where people kind of almost become a support group for one another and just kind of help each other through the thing. There's a lot of people that walk like that. Don't think of it that way. Really. Good news, you're going to have stories to tell like trophies. Now we want to encourage you. So we believe you on some of the stuff that happens at our family holidays. Get video. 
Okay, it's like a hunting trophy, all right? We want to know that it really happened. You know, the, the, the whole thing is we come back and we swap these stories and we go, oh, okay, you want crazy? I'll show you crazy and I'll raise you one psychotic episode. You should have seen my uncle. Some of you are laughing because you're like, no, I said those exact words. It's weird. Some of you are sitting there going, well, that's not us. You know, we don't have that experience at all. Well, you're just more skilled at being selective about which family you spend time with. But if that one person showed up, that one person showed up who crawls right under your skin and makes himself at home. A lot of this actually is with younger adults. I hear younger adults talk about it, maybe more so than even older adults, because I think as we become older, we become the ones they're trying to avoid. <laughs> That's a bummer, but I think that happens. What is it that can make family that we want, we want it to be good, but what is it that can make it so hard? Why can there be so much tension with family? I think there's a few reasons. I think first, they know me in a way that maybe not everybody else does. You know, we all have this persona we sometimes want people to know us as. And in fact, a lot of us spend a lot of time trying to keep that real part of us hidden. And so we go different places because the more you get to know people, the more they know who you really are. And then just about the time people get to know who you really are, we pack up and go find another group. Well, you can't do that with family. They know you well. They know exactly who you are. They know how to push your buttons. They know that nickname that'll just send you right through the roof. And not only do they know us, another reason is because we know them. We know them. We know them like other people don't because we grew up together. We've seen in highs and lows. We've seen all the conversations. And here's the thing. They know me. I know them. And here's maybe the hardest part. We're alike. Nothing could tick me off more than my, when my kids act like me. Drive me through the roof. We're alike. That's just true. We have, we have common DNA. You know, we have common experience. And the fact is, many of us struggle when it comes to family and have, have funny stories, but we also have hard stories. But there's one thing I think that we can know for sure, and this is what I want us to grab onto this morning. God is into family. No matter what, you cannot read through the Scriptures without coming away with this understanding. God is into family. In the beginning, when God created mankind, what did he do? He created a family and trusted his entire creation to that family. That's what he did. When mankind sinned and so corrupted God's creation that he had to destroy it, he destroyed everything except for what? A family of a man named Noah. When God chose to initiate his plan to redeem the world, he chose to work through the family of a man named Abraham. And when God ultimately came to earth, he didn't come in a chariot as a warrior. No, he came as a baby who was placed in a family. And if you read in the scriptures in both Matthew and Luke, there's a genealogy of Christ. They believe, scholars believe those are, one is Mary's genealogy, the other is Joseph, to show that from both of his earthly parents, Christ was legitimately in the line of David. But if you read through those genealogies, you see some crazy characters in Jesus' family. And he's like, oh, my family, if I had a perfect family, then everything would be great. Well, Jesus didn't have a perfect family. Jesus had some really messed up people in his genealogy, but God still chose to place him in a family. When God chose to create spiritual community that would carry out his plan of redemption through the ages, he called it a family where he would be the father and we would be his children. See, there's a principle behind this whole idea of family, and we find it in Genesis chapter 2. In fact, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Genesis chapter 2. That's where we're going to start out this morning. 
Genesis 2, beginning at verse 18, this is what we read. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now this passage is so significant because you know what chapter 1 was all about. It was this big overview of creation. God said there was and it was good. Over and over that phrase. It was good. It was good. So the beginning of chapter 2 being, or in chapter 2, this idea where he says, and the Lord said, it is not good. That's an intentional contrast. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And it's interesting that God presented his creation in, of man in two different parts, this, this broad overview in chapter 1, but then he dials down into what happened in chapter 2. Here's what he does, verse 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Just cracks me up. Adam just said, aardvark. Where did that come from? Whatever. He didn't speak English. That's ridiculous. Whatever. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave his name to all the livestock, the birds of the air, all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was no suitable helper found. God gave Adam this living principle, this living illustration of the principle where he said it's not good for man to be alone. Adam is literally naming these animals, seeing the animals and giving them names, but he's also noticing something. There's male and female, one, two. And then another pair, one, two. And then another, one, two. And one. One, two. One, two. There's just one. God allowed Adam to see that it was not good for man to be alone. For Adam, there was no suitable helper or companion found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he'd taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Lord, I pray that we would hear your word, and I pray that we would respond in obedience. Help us to catch your vision for family in Jesus' name. Amen. Right in the beginning of creation, God starts a family. Because, and remember the reason, it's not good for man to be alone. We were made for community. There's a bigger principle here. We were made to be in relationships. We were made to be in community. We're not supposed to do life alone. That's not God's design. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's our main point this morning. Life is to be lived in community, so it begins in a community called family. Life is to be lived in community, so it begins in a community called family. And now I want to bring up something, and I want to talk to us for a moment, this kind of little huddle. Just because we have distorted and damaged God's design, that doesn't change the beauty of that design. Our failure doesn't distort God's God's intention and his commitment to his design. The fact that we've messed it up doesn't give us the right to throw it out or make it up as we go. The fact that there are no perfect families because there's no perfect people, that doesn't remove the effectiveness or the beauty of God's design. See, the problem with families today is not a design flaw. It's user error. Any IT people ever dealt with user error? I hate this new program. It doesn't work. And the IT person's going, something's not working. I'll tell you that. It's not a design flaw. It's user error. 
See, God designed something, and here's, I, I want to talk about this, and I want us to hear this. And, and right now, I, wa- I want to address the elephant in the room, because some of us, myself included, have come from families that were broken, and we're not perfect, and we're not, did not get to live our full family lives together according to God's design. Many people in the room, many people are in families that are not perfect. And you would say that. You would recognize that. They're not what we see laid out in Scripture. I just want to say God created an ideal, a design, and it was for a purpose. And our departure from that design doesn't change his commitment to the ideal or the importance of us understanding the beauty of that ideal. God's design was that a man and a woman would commit themselves to one another in love. The Bible uses the phrase, they would become one flesh. There's no other relationship that he says that about. Man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And one of the results of that union is children. That's where people come from. Okay, People come from that union. But the beauty of the design is that in that union, those children would grow up in a home with natural, present models of healthy male a healthy, healthy, mature masculinity and healthy, mature femininity. They would have those as models so they wouldn't have to wonder. That was the design. That's what God created and that's what God intended. And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message and series called Family Matters, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And now back to the message, Family Matters. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Little boys would know what a man is supposed to look like and what a woman should look like. Little girls would know what a daddy's supposed to look like and what a mom is supposed to look like. And they would have that because that's all they would know. They would grow up in that. That is God's design. Now, right away, I just want to deal with the fact that for a lot of us, maybe that's not the family that you're experiencing right now. And I want to be crystal clear on something. Any, whatever form or shape you find your family in right now, if we make the commitment, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to submit myself to your leadership and your direction. God will bless that family. So there is hope for every one of us. There's hope for every one of us. 
No situation is hopeless. No situation is outside of God's design or outside of God's power to make God's power to make a difference if we will submit and walk in obedience to His design. So I want to give encouragement to single parents. I want to give encouragement to older folks who maybe think you didn't do it right with your kids and you think there's nothing you can do about it. It is never too late to start carrying out God's design in the context of whatever family you find yourself in if you will submit to his leadership, his word, and walk in obedience. And so I want there to be a sense of hope, but we don't do that by dumbing down God's ultimate design. For we must understand that design if we're ever going to have a positive outlook on family, if we're going to ever to teach our children well about family. See, one of the things we do in our culture is we go, well, we don't want to make people feel bad. And just because many of us didn't experience that family fully the way God designed it, we go, well, I don't want people to feel bad, so let's just not talk about that ultimate design. That is a huge mistake. It is a huge mistake, and we, we do it in all kinds of areas. We, go, we try to judge God's word and his design based on my experience, and we change it to match my experience. That's messed up. That's way messed up. I should be aligning my life, my experience, my choices to God's design, not the other way around, not trying to change and, and cram God's design into my experience. But yet we do it. We do it a lot. And I just want to say, when we understand the design, we understand the design, it really can make a huge difference. My parents split up when we were kids. And my dad wasn't a believer and in a whole lot of ways didn't lead the way that I believe a godly dad should lead a family. My mom was a very committed believer. And what she did is she understood God's design. And so she made sure in the context of Christian community and church, we had those role models of what it should look like. So that when her sons began to grow up and make choices, we would know, oh, that's what a godly dad looks like. That's what a godly husband looks like. So she never lost sight of the ideal just because she wasn't experiencing it. And I have been abundantly blessed because of her decision. I had plenty of role models of what a godly man, a godly dad, a godly husband should look like. Because she was super intentional about making sure we were in the context of the church. And because she had a commitment to God's ideal, even if in her own life she didn't have that experience. So I want to just say, I don't want there to be any condemnation. I don't want people to go, oh man. Because God, his ability to redeem, his ability to bring life, his ability to do miracles is beyond our ability to screw it up. You need to know that. That's powerful, and it's true. But we start with the design. We do not back away from God's ultimate design. Now let me make a couple points real quickly of how important family is. First, family is where culture is shaped. What's culture? Culture is just, it's like the atmosphere around us. The smell in our house. You know how you, you can't smell your own house because you live there and you're used to it, right? Other people come to your house and go, hmm, Interesting. <laughs> Hmm. Interesting choice. <laughs> Excellent. Or maybe they go, oh, your house smells like vanilla all the time. I don't know. But you don't notice it because, well, you just get used to it. It's the atmosphere you live in. We have a wonderful ability to adapt. Well, family is where our culture is shaped, our assumptions, the way we look at the world. It's, it's how we see things. You know, it's the question, what is normal? What is normal? 
When I married Lori, we came from two different families. That girl was not normal. You need to know that. I've fixed her now. You notice she's not here. Next service, I'll share that a little differently. But she wasn't normal because they did things differently, had a different culture, and we did things differently, had a different culture. Actually, we had fairly similar family cultures. Our, our parents were in a small group together through our church, and so that's how we got connected. Our families were very close in that regard. But there were just things that weren't normal. Like she, the first time she saw my brothers and I fight, I thought she was going to have a stroke. Really, I mean, I mean and, and I'm not talking about we bickered fiercely. No, I'm talking about throw down. The three boys, okay? In her family, there was one boy and two girls. So she had been spared the kind of fights that we would carry out. She'd never been attacked by a pitchfork. I'm like, hasn't everybody? <laughs> I'm not talking about a Halloween costume devil's pitchfork. I'm talking like a real fork for hauling hay. I grew up on a farm. We trained horses, and I was once attacked with a pitchfork by someone who I love dearly and is my brother. Fortunately, I was very wiry and fast. <laughs> Lori, first time she saw that, well, I was like, ah. And she's like, how can you do It was so upsetting. She, this was before we were married. And I'm like, what? <laughs> anybody, anybody with brothers know? What? What? What are you talking about? The culture is what's normal. And normal is different in each family. That's why marriage is such fun, and I'll save that conversation for a few weeks. We'll talk about marriage. Proverbs 22.6 says, train a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not turn from it. It's talking about establishing a child's culture, their vision, their expectations, the way they look at the world. Train them in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not turn from it. Some people see this, and they go, wait a minute. I know people who really did. They did their best. Good family, but the kids still went wayward. I want to suggest that this, I don't believe this is a promise I, I think it's a principle. It's very important to understand the difference. I, I believe this is a strong principle. Every person has a free will. But I believe, and, and you know, the way I've said it, and I don't want to preach the parenting talk, because we'll talk about that too. I, don't, I, I keep in this one getting, stumbling into the parenting talk, right? But the fact is, I think, sometimes we worry and we obsess about our kids, and the fact is, our kids become what we are. <laughs> right? I really do. I think our kids become what we are. There's this idea, more is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. You ever heard family groups sing together? And it's just like, wow, they blend so well. Well, there's a couple reasons. One, they have similar DNA. They're, their voices are similar in, as far as the instruments. <clears throat> and then they also have sung together a lot. So they breathe at the same points. They close notes the same way. They raise their pitch the same way. It's just, and, and nobody actually taught them, here's family singing 101. It just happens because, well, they're family. And that's an example of lots of things when it comes to family. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, talks about how we view the world. And it, look how it describes this. This is Moses in the law, and he's telling the people, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Really important idea. They're, to, they're not just to be on your wall. They've got to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It's just a normal part of life. These things that you, we do should be a part of them. 
More is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. And, and they learn what is normal. And one of the things I want to say to you, um, some parents think, well, I can live however I want as long as I bring the kids to church and they're taught the Bible, then they'll be these wonderful Christians. No, they're not because they become what you are. They, bec- they, they learn more by what they see. So when you actually say with our family that, hey, we're going to all go do this together because that's who we are, that's what we do, that's what they pick up. That's what they grasp, that's what they learn. They become what you are more than becoming what you hope they'll learn in a class somewhere. Powerful idea, big idea, Joshua 24, 14, 15, his final words to God's people after leading them into the promised land. Look what he says. We read, we've read this scripture a lot, but I want you to see it maybe with some fresh eyes. He says, this is verse 14 of Joshua 24. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Let me stop right there. This is a verse worth remembering. You should write that down. This is a verse worth remembering. Because if we will walk in these four simple things, there's four things in this little verse, this sentence, that are a powerful guide for us as we live our lives as family. Fear the Lord. That means understanding he's God and we're not. And having that reverence for him. Fear the Lord and serve him. That means this is what we do. Our lives are not our own. We serve the Lord as a family. That's who we are. Our life isn't just about us. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity. You can't fake it. This is about authenticity. This is about, because your kids are at home with you, your husband and wife are at home with you, your family knows what's real versus what's something that you put on for other people. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Family Matters, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.